<laughs> Welcome, everybody. This is Sharon Smith, and this is I Am The Podcast Presents Real Poetry, where we talk about poets in film, poetry in film, and all the things in between. Today's, well, let's first... I'd like to introduce my co my co-host, Marvin and Auntie Vice. What up? Hello. In today's movie, we're going to talk to you about the 2010 movie How, starring James Franco. Yes, the guy that played in that other movie that talked about another movie. Ain't that a trip? <laughs> I got the name of the movie. <laughs> I was like, I'm lost. I don't know what you're talking about. It's, oh, you know, oh God, like it escapes my mind. Like, but I love that movie that uh, Sharon's mentioning. Yeah, it's. Um, uh, I'll look it up. But anywho, but no, 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 no. Look, the one he's mentioning, it's like it's just known for like its terrible production value. And oh, terrible. room twenty two twenty seven. No, 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 no. The, Okay. It, God. I, I, oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the the disaster artist. Yeah, yeah, disaster artist. That was great. Artist. Yeah, oh my god, I love that movie. That was great. I love both that disaster artist that movie and the movie that that movie is it's, about. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's a sad combination. <laughs> yeah, but that's for another episode. I could I could write a thesis on that both of those movies on how they're so great, but oh, that's a conversation. The movie's called The Room. The room. There we go. The room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Movie's called the room. But yeah. So we're gonna talk about James Franco. Even had John Hamm in it as the lawyer. His yeah, lawyer. yeah, yeah. Well, not. But this is a pretty old movie, too. Like it was like 2010, and this was like when yes. Mad Men was like barely reaching its peak, and James Franco was kind of like already like enjoying a pretty comfortable life with like his roles and everything too. Yeah. Right. But let's go with the synopsis. Okay. It's the, the movie, the synopsis is poet and cultural icon Allen Ginsberg is living in San Francisco in the mid-50s with his friends and fellow writers um, Jack Kerouac and Neil Cassidy with, when he conceives How, a poem that is credited um, with popularizing the beat mo movement. When book owner Lawrence um, Herolici Spaghetti uh produced the poem he is put on trial for obscurity the film includes animated portions depicting the um interpretation of the poem itself so the trial was a 1957 trial that happened that happened um when the customs officials actually confiscated 250 copies that were going to England of this book they arrested, they arrested the shop owner, they arrested the sh uh, shop tenant, and then also took the shop owner to trial for security. So this is what this movie is basically depicted about. And they actually had nine, well, not four, they had nine literary experts to basically look, um, to basically review over this case. And they won. The shop order won, not the United States. They won because they looked at it as a First Amendment right of random. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, with the movie itself, let's get some thoughts. Commentary? What about you, Marvin? How do you think about this movie? 
I honestly am unashamed to admit that I wasn't a fan of this. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I think like in the same regard when we were talking about Naruto, I think Alan Ginsberg led a really interesting life and the way this movie presented itself was just so... I, I personally felt like it didn't do much justice to the person that Alan Ginsberg was. Like he, he had a lot of his flaws and a lot of his moments where he was an amazing individual, but this movie was so nonlinear in its storytelling and James Franco, while is a great actor, I feel like he's also too bleh. He's really mad with how he portrayed Alan Ginsberg. And that, that might actually been Alan's, main personality trait, but I just didn't think this was that great of a movie. What about you, Adiva? What do you think about it? I liked the non-animated part. I think the animated parts and trying to animate the poem, they went for much more of the fanciful and made it... They didn't address the seriousness and the devastation that's expressed in the, the poem. I thought the animation was actually... Could have been really excellent, but actually took away a lot of the meaning of it. And I get what they were trying to do with it. I just, I don't think they grasp the subject matter nearly in the way that I do when I read it. And so it was like, they made it seem almost like a trip to Disney. With yeah, I gotta agree with you. Like, it, like, it definitely, like, when they do the animated parts, it really dilutes a lot of what Alan is trying to say. In right. I do like the use of those somber, melancholy music they use during mm-hmm. the animated scenes, but th- you're right. The the animated scenes felt really bad. Like, it was just badly done. It, it, it dilutes it, a lot it, of the work. Yeah, it didn't work with the work mm-hmm. they were pairing mm-hmm. it with. Like, it could have worked in other contexts, but mm-hmm. it didn't work with this work. Um, I did like the court trial scenes, and they had some really good lines, like when they're asking the one expert to, to translate what angel-headed hipsters mean yes yeah, like, that was great yeah just can't put some of this into prose that's why it's poetry like mm-hmm. i love that yeah no and i always find it interesting like i'm not shitting on literary experts but i always find it like odd that people have to like try to measure some literary work on how great it is or not great it is based on a mm-hmm. scale like we saw dead poet society do this and now yes. we saw this movie do it based on what i don't even remember what that scale is really but this is a formula <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, this is a very clear clearly a very old way of thinking and i'm glad mm-hmm. like I, I don't recall my school ever doing that to us but i'm very glad that that's not a thing now at least i think it's not a thing so it's i find that odd well, and I appreciate that they distinguish poetry from prose because of so much of free verse has just become, I don't want to put periods in my sentences, so I'll call <laughs> it a poem and I'll call it free verse. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to punctuate it, so we'll call it free verse. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But it really is prose at the heart of it. Um, and, you know, I think it's devolved into that as more and more people have tried the the, you know, tried to write poetry and they just end up trying to read their journal with some rhythm to it and call yeah, it yeah, poetry. Um, I think and, the beach generation definitely like kicked that into motion. The thought of someone wearing a beret, mm-hmm. that drum circle esque feeling in a, ca- a coffee shop and you're wearing some gaudy ass black turtleneck sweater, the beach, like nothing, not saying anything against it, but I definitely think the beach generation gave off that feel because you could tell that's when 
free expression of thought really came into the forefront because it was at the time the counter movement that was not mm -hmm. televised necessarily, but it was the it was that countercultural moment that was being shitted on so readily because right. that was also when Christianity at the same time was becoming the forefront of political thought in America. Right. Because like it, right. hence why they were going, this is really obscene nature. No, nah, nah. right. because that was at the same time in the 1950s when Christianity, right, for whatever reason, became like the main religion, quote unquote, of the U.S. And everybody felt like that was the thing, which was. No, right. <laughs> well, and I get the pushback of it, and I get people oh, yeah, yeah. to bring in their expression. Mm -hmm. But even reverse poetry, you need a point. You need some editing. <laughs> yeah, need. yeah. And I, I think a, you know, people will look to the beats and say, "Well, that's where it started." Sure, but good free verse. There is still literary attributes to it. There, you can use you know any number of alliteration, metaphor, simile, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. think a doce, whatever you do, um, and there's a focus to it. It's not like you're just rambling, um, yeah. you know. And I think, like, and I think Hal captures that. Like Hal is this beautiful, brilliant piece, um, mm -hmm. but then you know people lose some of that aspect because i think they don't necessarily understand it or get all of that went into it yeah no i agree like i you know what the funny thing is i didn't even know that was how i i've heard that beginning line that beginning introduction line is so iconic i've heard it on tv i've heard it on mm -hmm. multiple other forms of media but i didn't realize that's where it originated the i've seen the greatest minds of my generation right. destroyed yeah it's oh. such an iconic line, but I honestly never realized that's it was from Allen's Ginsburg. Yeah. Huh. So, so one thing that they basically, beyond just having the trial scene, they also had a scene where he actually performed the poem. That actually was mm -hmm. from an actual place called Six um, Galleries. Mm -hmm. And Six Galleries, they, the the poet, the um, owner actually tried to get Ginsburg in there two years before the poem. And Ginsburg refused. And he, um, Ginsburg actually actually accepted it when he actually only had half the poem done. So that's even interesting. His poem wasn't all the way finished. Hmm. And yet he's like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> you know like, he didn't open it with an apology like most people do nowadays. Mm -hmm, yeah. Well, no. You know what? Those moments when he reads his poems out and they are in the cafe shop or coffee shops and everything, look, those were my favorite, some of my favorite scenes mm -hmm. where you can literally see the audience, quote unquote, hang on every word on the edge of their seat. Those were my favorite, like mm -hmm. as opposed to the animated scenes, which were complete crap, in my opinion. <laughs> those are great and i think it's just purely because like as all three of us are familiar with we've had that happen mm -hmm. when we were live on stage when we were behind a mic like that when we read our own thing so that was something i could familiarize myself with so long ago. i really like those scenes yeah and i think they did a good job of capturing that feel mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. being at a poetry reading and having it kind of free-flowing and more it's not formalized it's not stiff i think that's what a lot of people who host open mics strive to create. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. Yeah, totally. Like I, I recall like moments when I'm up on stage and I'm reading whatever I've written or doing whatever mm -hmm. I've done. And I've literally seen the audience just enraptured with whatever I was saying. I've seen the same thing with you and Sharon. It's cool. Go. It's fun. Mm -hmm. 
So being that, so being that um, Ginsburg, they showed those two scenes. Plus, they also showed the interview of Ginsburg explaining about poetry or the beats. What do you think about that? His explanations and stuff. Do you see them credible or just something that you know was done for the movie and stuff? I think they're credible, but I, honestly, though, again, I I could have done without those scenes. Oh, really? I personally found them pretentious as hell. Hmm. But I also think that's part of the beats. Yeah, no, it is part of the beats. It, that that is entirely it. But I think it's just a problem with how I saw it is with how he and again not anything on James Franco or Alan Ginsberg, but. I think personally, as someone who wants so entirely for people to understand what I'm feeling, when Ginsburg's character is trying to explain himself, I could not feel more far removed with how he just expressed himself in those scenes. What do you mean? I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know he was. I, first, I didn't know he was gay. One, and it was just interesting seeing his reflection on his. On trying to appease, appease like uh, Ka- you know Jack Kerouac, trying to appease him, trying to please Cassidy, and just trying to just be part not not just be friends with these guys, but also show that he had the same kind of chops as they did. Well, see, it wasn't it wasn't when he was expressing himself trying to find his identity that I find off putting. I found it off putting when he was trying to say that his writing was this or that when he was saying that there was moments where he just felt in a mo- moment where he could just write it all. And it's like, no, man, I don't know. <laughs> Something about that just felt off to me. What about you, Auntie Vice? I don't know. I kind of believed it because that's how I write. Like, I get in the moment and it just comes out. Like, you know, my uh, confession piece. I, like, woke right. up in the morning and it was there. Like, oh, that t- yeah, that took no effort. That was, like, just woke up and wrote it down. I I get that. Okay, maybe I'm just a lot more guarded with how I <laughs> my ability to write. I don't know. I don't know. But like, I just I don't know. I felt I thought that was I thought it was pretentious, but it, it could probably just be is, and so am I. So that's probably why I didn't. Oh, I know. It. But this is also coming from someone who is just as equally pretentious. When I see someone who is as equally pretentious, oh god, I do not like you because I see myself. That's probably what I'm feeling. But no worries. So, so the movie itself was basically constructed in a non-linear fashion, as you pointed out. It wasn't really, it wasn't really cons- uh, consistent with, but it did have like little, little stories of, as he telling his history of himself, and as you even pointed out, it's like Naruto. So I'm getting, I'm getting a vibe, kind of a vibe here that a lot of the poetry movies or plot poet movies or bios aren't really. I don't know if they're telling about the characteristics or they're. Not, you know, we're looking at people that, you know, we think there are high in the poetry realm, but their lifestyles are kind of looked at as these guys are um, uh, bashful bastards. You know, they condescending, you know, they always they always show these movies as, yeah, they might be higher here, but really, honestly, in reality, they're here or that's what yeah. they try to play, portray in the movies and stuff. So. Think that that um, advice is that what you feel about these movies and stuff? Mm, I mean, the beats were very much about being counterculture, okay. And so with that, went violating a lot of social norms. Um, and so it, yeah, it can come across like 
you know, the moral society presents this way, we present that way, and, you know, I think they, they tried to capture it. I think it's hard to create a narrative where you show people who are specifically rolling against the predominant norms without portraying them as somehow being deviant or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I think some people go against predominant norms in part because they feel it makes them feel rebellious. Like, you know, I think that drives some people. I think other people just realize that whatever the norms are going against just don't work for them. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, there's a tension in a lot of these films with, you know, the artist is different and opting out of society or whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you feel the same way, Marvin? Yeah, no, I totally agree with, I, I totally agree with that. Like, it's, I think my problem specifically, though, is because of its non-linearity, I personally couldn't grasp fully the character of Allen Ginsberg. You have, what, the trial at play, then you have Allen Ginsberg reading his works, then you also have him discovering his sexuality, all of which are great plot points, in my opinion. Right. But the problem, when you add in multiple things, it kind of makes it feel like it's a lot and a lot to digest. I would have really enjoyed just watching an entire movie about Allen Ginsberg discovering his his own voice and his own sexuality in the movie, and I would have been fine with that. I would have been perfectly fine with Allen Ginsberg nonchalantly not giving a shit about the trial, which is literally about him and that trial in the background of it, while he just continues to not give a shit and express his <laughs> speech. Just fine. But when you put both together, it just feels like I don't get a full idea of what his character is. I just get the idea that he's a homosexual male. He doesn't care about anything. He writes and he's pretentious. But it doesn't flesh his character out. I just only get ideas of what his traits are. Oh, okay. So I looked at the so I was looking at the um one of the directors, um, Rob um Epstein. He's not related to John, you know, not related to the other Epstein. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, he he's made other movies uh, like he made the movie the 19, the 2013 Lovelace, which okay. is talked about porn star. Linda. Yeah. Linda, Linda Lovelace. And he's also done Linda Rostead's um, uh, um, bio, bio epic uh, movie, uh, Linda Rostead's Sound of My Heart. And he also did State of Pride. He's also been director of State of Pride. So he's, he's I done don't know that one. He's done a lot of biopics, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, a lot of biopics and stuff. I mean, and even before he he um did um the the Aid Show. Mm -hmm. And he's done uh The Times of Harvey Milk. He didn't do Milk those the Sean, the Sean Penn movie, but he's done right. the time the, the documentary for the Times. The of Life Harvey and Milk. Times of Heart, and which was brilliant. It was much better than the uh, fictionalized event by Gus Van Sant. Oh, okay. Which okay. was basically stealing directly from uh, uh, Milk. Life uh, and Times. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, see, so what we're seeing with a lot, since, since a lot of his movies are, are in, in the, the LGBT or provocative range, and then also having How, which had, uh, which the Pope they find as gay, mm. I, I'm assuming that the, it kind of feels like he's as a, he, had, he does a lot of the. Um, not only the social media, the social um, norm uh, and norm movies, but he's also brings a lot of the LGBT or 
awareness to a lot of his movies and stuff. He does a lot of the LGBT awareness movies, which is, mm-hmm. um, or even if what I, I don't know about Linda Lovelace. I'm just trying to look at that up and say, see what that was about. But. I don't know if she's gay or not. I do know she was in Deep Throat. Mm. She, I mean, if I recall, because I, I do know that movie, I don't think I've ever seen it. <laughs> no, and I definitely have never seen it, but she was in a very deeply abusive relationship with yeah. her then husband, too, who pretty much forced her into the porn, porn industry, too. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he definitely does a lot of movies that are, as we've stated multiple times, counterculture. Lovelace yes. is very clearly a countercultural movie. I mean, given its subject matter, before with porn right okay so and he also did the movie paragraph 175 uh, so yeah he's done a lot of documentary movies and stuff that he's um and that one was uh, that one was the gay man was a gay man was arrested by the nazis mm-hmm. for the crime of homosexuality yeah under the paragraph 175 so yeah so, or sodomy provision yeah mm-hmm. so yeah been a lot of it does a lot of uh lgbt awareness movies and stuff um Anywho, so this movie had three parts. It broke down into parts. So one part was starting off with the um, actual um, plot of the movie, which he's you know going through his um, his um, his love for Kerouac, his his mm-hmm. movement stuff. The second part started his his psychological is um, not well psych, psych evaluation where he actually went in to the, um, the institution and talked about how, you know, how they basically, how they basically mess with people's minds, his mom's death from being lobotomized and stuff from going in. And then even some of the stuff he went through. And then the last one uh, basically broke down his, um, his not only, well, not only society, but also his relationships and basically went through several and still be able to break down all his little um, quirks and stuff. And came down to the conclusion that this is how I feel about the world and society and where we're going. And as as we went with the, the trial, you saw that they even had these kind of thoughts, even as he's reading this, the, even as they're reading it, their thoughts of they can't what they don't understand. And and as the literary experts try to explain to them, well, this is that's the reason why you can't concrete poetry and little segments you have to understand the whole thing instead of one part i want to know from both of y'all what part was there any part that you, <laughs> might be a little hard so was there a part in this movie that you uh, that you liked part one part two part three that you were that you were five five my part was part two i like part two because it really showed the it showed the other side of the 1960s version of taking care of psycho, you know, psycho, um, basically take, taking care of people in the in the in the psych psych wards and stuff, and how they try to really form a lobotomy and stuff. Was there anything that what part that caught your attention? No, I gotta agree with you. Like, it, I I think it's wild looking at it now that there was an actual psych ward dedicated to people who were who openly admitted to being homosexuals like what the fuck that's insane uh, and oftentimes still... they were put there by family members you exactly put away indefinitely by your family mm-hmm. i mean it's essentially what pray away the gay is now but like at the same time dude that's wild to me when look like, that when the the idea of this lifestyle this sexuality 
is considered that abrasive to you and you can't consider anything else that you have to do this is wild to me. But for me, I don't know. Like, I think my favorite part is when he's still openly saying that he was trying to find his identity. He was too shy. He was, so he committed to writing or other artistic forms to get validation. I get that. I understand that. I feel that. And then when he finally does find some sort of love that is required for him, he's extremely happy. And I, as someone who understands that where he, they want to express themselves, I felt for that. And I do. And to see someone get some kind of happiness out of that is very heartwarming. What's your advice? I like all the, the, the descriptions of his relationships and how they built and developed. Um, there's the point where he's in love with the guy who ends up marrying a woman and it's so tender oh, yeah. and so close. Oh it, and yeah. It was so heartbreaking. Heartbreak. Yeah. But it, it's very representative of so much of what went on and what still goes on when people can't admit to who they are. Right. For some reason, it's not safe to come out, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, him trying to to woo with poems and stuff like i found that aspect very touching you know oh, yeah yeah it was and, a very oh go ahead sorry about that oh and, and just very much what poetry is like how many of us have not written a love poem yes <laughs> get out of here strawberry and banana smoothie <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one he <laughs> loves jamba juice <laughs> I, well, I, yeah, okay. Yeah, we have one up here. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'll provide that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have not written a love poem. I have not, Mister. I haven't written a love poem. Okay, that is not a love poem. It's about interracial love. Don't give me. Hey, that. not interracial. In a species, well, actually, they're both same in the fruits. They're fruit. They're fruits. It's an allegory them. for interracial love. Don't give me that. I see Auntie Lee nodding right now, so she knows I'm right. Oh, yeah. It just describes y'all, the date. Y'all are just, we oh, smoothied. my goodness. <laughs> y'all just looked at that all like I that. ate okay. a yogurt bowl, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is why Marvin drinks when he comes on the show. <laughs> hey, not because of you guys. I drink because I like them. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> it gets so the creative juices flowing. <laughs> So this show was put on a lot of, uh, was put into a lot of um, film film associations and awards. Uh, it won the <laughs> Central Ohio Film Critics Association for Best Actor of the Year, uh, James <laughs> Franco. Uh, also won also won uh, National Board of Review Freedom of Expression Award, and then it got nominated for several. It got nominated for several others, uh, even the Sundance Film Festival gave it a nomination, but it never won them. So. Yeah. Uh, also, G, um, Glad Media yeah. even get, it was even it was also nominated for. So yeah. And Glad, why can't you call your nomination your your awards the Yay Gays? Like <laughs> that's so. I great. would really appreciate I that. I fucking love that. That was great. <laughs> the Yay, Yay Gays. Yay Gays. <laughs> no, that's a great title. Glad if you're listening to this. Yes. <laughs> Anyone from Glad? Yes. <laughs> If you're glad, if any nominee or representative of Glad is listening to our humble podcast right now, <laughs> please use that title. As <laughs> wow, the Yankees! <laughs> <laughs> All right, 
right, so since then, so Robert Ebert gave this movie a three star, stating that it, the Franco James Franco portrayed um, Allen Ginsberg with restraint and care. What do you think about that? You think that's again? I think James Franco is a phenomenal actor, but I think for me personally, after like I think I personally take for granted how bad it must have been for a lot of people who were still in the closet or who were who admitted to being gay right. was back in those decades and how bad it must have been like 10 years ago in 2000. What, what was this? 2010? 2010. Yes. Yeah. I, I, again, I personally think that this movie, like even for a movie that wanted to portray what being a gay man felt like, I can't say speak for anybody because great person. Who am I to say how this movie affected someone? And how they felt for that in their position. But this movie just didn't feel like that. After watching stuff like Moonlight or We the Animals, where there was just such grace and dignity in that, this didn't feel like that great of a movie. For me. <clears throat> or they're using that as a form of expression. I don't know. This movie didn't enjoy what about you, Antibas? Not knowing much about Ginsburg's personal life, I mean, I think it was a decent portrayal. Um, and, you know, it was fairly restrained. I still think my favorite James Franco performance was in 30 Rock, where he has an <laughs> ongoing relationship with a Japanese body pillow. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh. <laughs> yeah. He, he hires I, I, Jenna to have an affair with him so that they can um, d- detract the media from looking at his, his relationship with his body pillow. Um. <laughs> I'm not laughing because I don't believe you. I've seen that episode, but I, I, I'm laughing because this is still an actual thing for people. And I'm, again, not shitting mm-hmm. on people on how they choose love and sexuality, but it's just like, man, body pillows, <laughs> Japanese body pillows. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, no, I mean, this was good. It was not his best, it was not Japanese body pillow affair level good, but I mean, it, I thought he was pretty good. Uh, Mickey Chan, oh god, <laughs> yeah, the wee bear bears. Okay, <laughs> oh, I love that show. Okay, speaking of so, <laughs> so with so with that in mind and stuff, uh. What can you come down to your conclusion? Was this movie... Well, let's do this. Why don't we do the snap judgment and then we'll come to the conclusion. All right. So we're going to go right now to snap judgment where we basically give our judgment snaps on this movie. Three snaps. Movie's good. Excellent. Take it to the awards. Two snaps. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't quite good. One snap. Yeah, that should go into the trash. Seriously, we go increments of half snaps, and let's start off with Marvin. Go. I'm gonna be controversial here and say Uh-oh. this was a one for me. Like I thought this movie was a little overrated. I wasn't a fan. There, were, because of its non-linearity and its ability to not focus on a lot of things in terms of a story arc narrative. Or at least to focus on one thing. Like I, I just personally thought, like because of its multiple plot points, it does injustice to both of those plot points for not 
focusing fully on it. So that's why I have to give it a one. I would give this a two. I think it falls square in the middle of it's good. It's not great. It's not awful. It's good. Don't get under a warm heating blanket with your buddy to watch it because you may have to have two or three rounds, but you know, it's, it's good. Now tell me, define cuddling in this specific context. We, we was it a strawberry cut- banana kind of cuddling, was or was it just because? Oh no, it's a warm blanket. No, he just wrapped up I- around me, and we had the the heating blanket on, and it's cold up here in the hills. And about halfway through, I start doing the thing where he's like, "You need to put your mask on because you stop." I have sleep apnea, so I dress off and I start doing the. <laughs> that was okay, just so, warm and comfy and Okay, so it wasn't a strawberry banana smoothie situation. It was not no, it was not Netflix and chill. This was literally we were warm and comfy and I was watching it and the animation's <laughs> kinda pretty but doesn't go with it and then yeah. <laughs> I would give this movie a two also. It wasn't it, it actually opened up some ideas of what I, you know of even with his even with his idea of poetry or even with the way they portrayed it in the cinematic realm. But it did it really wasn't it wasn't that good either because just like Naruda, it's basically it's basically showing the almost like the hindrance of the poet, you know, showing his blemishes and stuff. And and sometimes I'm like, well, it it's weird when you got one part is talking about the poet himself, and then you got another part talking about talk about the trial that he's not even in <laughs> it's, it's not even pointed at he's not even in the trial he's not on trial his freaking publisher is and it's like well that's that's a little screwy it's like okay you, you're 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 bashing the work but not the poet you're bashing but they make the movie where it's like the bash of the poet so so i gave it a two you know what's interesting too like as we discussed with naruto where we were making the al the claim that with naruto like yes he's a great literary artist but at the same time he was definitely a shit human being Mm -hmm. alan ginsburg was definitely in the same boat with naruto like after Uh some digging he definitely had his moments i'm not again massive massive cultural icon because of his refusal to conform with the culture at the time massive massive balls on the guy for her speaking out against the cia and essentially pushing drugs to the south american countries but at the same time not without his flaws and this was definitely one of those moments of for me, at least, I don't know about you guys or anybody else who is in the know of his particular quote unquote flaws in my opinion, but <laughs> do you, how far is the artist from his issues? That's a good point. Yeah. How far is the, is the work from the artist? How far can they basically be distanced from each other? Yeah, that's true. I, I was kind of surprised finding out all the dates of all the other people in his life that were in them that were that he was categorizing have died before you know died abruptly before mm-hmm. him. You know they you know the Kerouac's mm-hmm. death, uh, Cassidy, and even his his lover. I mean, it was it's funny how you know he did, he lived. I think he lived what to like seventy three or eighty seven or something like that. Yeah, yeah, he lived. He lived long, but all the rest of his all the rest of his peers 
kind of died off like right before the right before they it, they exited their twenties into their fifties for their thirties and stuff. They died, they kind of died off. So, but as you pointed out, so we got a two two and a one. We got a two two and a one. That's five points out of nine people. So we're gonna say that it's not a bad movie. It's just not that good. This is our second biopic of uh, of a poet. So I don't know how we're gonna be how we're gonna take this in, but I think we're gonna take it in with a grain of salt. Our next one we have going up. I think the next one since it is New Year, I think we should do Slam people. More Works time. for me. Slam or Love Rhymes, Love Beats and Rhymes. Which one? Um, Either. Yeah, both work. Okay. All right. So we're gonna get we're gonna get a, a another guest for it. I got one in particular. I'm hoping he comes on. If he doesn't, I got some others on mine. But yes, I hope he comes on. So this is Sharon Smith. That's Marvin. That's Auntie Vice. This is real poetry. Our 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 snap um, judgment. Five out of nine stars. If you need to check us out, well, let me go like this. Give your handle on Marvin and let them know what they can find us on social media. Yeah, you can find me at StarvinMarvin09 on IG. That's the only social media that I'm using mainly at this point in my life because I'm a boring human being. Monty Vice. <laughs> you can find me at Auntie Vice on most social media at this point and through Wicked Grounds this month. I am teaching 30 days of kinky self-discovery. Wanna know yourself? You want to get some more kink and some more love in your life? Come join me for a class. Yes. Yeah, I should right. definitely teach you guys about that uh strawberry banana smoothie life. Oh. Really? It's it's a good it's a good life. Don't don't knock it. <laughs> your your your, grand, your mama will love it. Oh, oh we we devolved into Shots. mama jokes, huh? <laughs> Shots. <laughs> you can find you can find I have been poetry podcast on on all source all streaming services, and you can find us on Instagram on Iambic Zine. That is I A M B I C Z as in zebra. I N. Check us out on all social medias, including on Facebook and also Twitter. Same thing, I am Big Zine. We are the real poet, the real poets, giving you some of that real poetry. Happy New Year, y'all. Stay safe. Keep your mask on. Get your stimulus checks. And don't go crazy. Don't go crazy. About to blow the $600 on a lot of shit, guys. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Lights. <laughs>